And now, coming to you from the classiest radio station on the air, this is... Evie right back with Midweek Musings. Hello everybody and welcome back to Midweek Musings. If you're new here, my name is Evie and I'm your host of this lovely weekly radio show. So if you haven't been following along recently, we're doing something a little different from normal in October. It's a little mini-series that I like to call Midweek Mysteries. (laughs) And this sadly is going to be the last episode. So... Yeah, if you haven't listened to the other three Midweek Mysteries episodes, they were kind of bangers and the editing, the editing really sells it for me. If I was listening, I'd be into it. So I recommend you go back and listen to those three and then come back to this because this one definitely cranks it up a notch. Last week was the episode where I told scary stories from my dad and my friend's dads and I kind of lived for that accidental theme that I created and not really sure how it came about how it came about but here we are so in light of that we are going to be telling what is probably the scariest story yet because this story that we're doing today is real it's not paranormal i mean it gets into some paranormal stuff but it's based on things that really happened to keep with the theme of local events this is going to be the story of the villisca axe murders If this was a more recent event, I would probably stray away from telling this story on my podcast just because of the way I feel about true crime podcasts and kind of like the ethics of that, you know, like telling somebody's story without their permission and profiting off of it, especially when it's something so horrific. But this did happen a really long time ago and other circumstances kind of make me feel like it's not bad to talk about this one. So if you aren't a fan of true crime, maybe this one's not for you but I do feel like ethically this is fine. But enough stalling. It's time to get on with it. Villisca is a city in Montgomery County, Iowa, which is in the southwestern corner of the state. The population was 1,132 at the time of the 2020 census, but during the 1910s, which is relevant to the rest of the story, the population was closer to 2,000. In 1912, there was a family named Moore, living in the town of Villisca. This family was made up of Josiah, 43, Sarah, 39, and their four children, Herman, Mary, Arthur, and Paul, who were 11, 10, 7, and 5, respectively. The Moore family was affluent and generally well-known and well-liked in their community. On June 9, 1912, the second child, Mary, who was 10, invited two of her friends over for a sleepover, Ina Stilger, who was eight, and Lena Stilger, who was 12. That night, the family, as well as their two guests, attended church where they participated in their mother Sarah's children's program. When the program had ended at 9.30, they all walked home and had arrived home by 10 p.m. Little did they know, that was the last time they would ever leave their house. At 7 a.m. the next morning, Mary Packham, the next-door neighbor, was concerned that she didn't see the Moore family come outside to do their morning chores. So she went over and knocked on their door. When no one answered, she tried to go inside, but it was locked. Growing more concerned by the minute, the neighbor called Josiah Moore's brother, Ross, 
When Ross arrived, he unlocked the front door with a spare key and entered, leaving Mary outside on the porch. Inside the guest bedroom, he found the bodies of the two guests, Ina and Lena. A search of the rest of the house found the rest of the family dead as well. All eight of them had been bludgeoned to death with Josiah's axe, but not at his hand. Doctors concluded that the murders had taken place between midnight and 5 a.m. Two cigarette butts in the attic made it seem that the killer or killers patiently waited in the attic until the Moore family and their guests were asleep. The killers began in the master bedroom where Josiah and Sarah Moore were sleeping. From there, the killer murdered each and every one. The worst part, after extensive investigation and questioning, the killer was never caught. This was at a time when serial killers and mass murders were very uncommon. Fingerprinting wasn't really a thing yet, and there was not a way to track down the killer. However, one of the suspects ended up confessing to the crime the day after the murder, but it was not discovered until a long time in the future because he confessed casually to a group of patrons on a train. Reverend Lynn George Jackin Kelly, who left the town on a train the morning after the murders, told the passengers that God told him to suffer the children to come unto me and killed the entire Moore family. He was never tried. But the story doesn't stop there. In 1994, Darwin and Martha Lynn of Corning, Iowa, purchased the former home of murder victim J.B. Moore and his family. The house was returned to its original condition at the time of the murders on June 10, 1912. It has now become the one of the most haunted places in Iowa and possibly the country. So naturally, it has been opened for overnight stays and tours. Over the past many years that the home has been open again, there have been many reports of strange occurrences. Disembodied laughter. <laughs> children's voices. Screams. Movement. A strange fog and glowing orbs that move room to room. And visitors change inside this house. A man in 2014 who visited overnight ended up stabbing himself inexplicably during his stay. What's more is that many photos have been taken of these strange occurrences. Photos of the fog, as well as glowing orbs. Even a photo of a chair in the attic with one leg floating off the ground. I think it's safe to assume that a house with eight brutal murders six of which were children, there's bound to be something sinister within those walls. That was emotionally draining to write, record, <laughs> and read about. Um, because while I was working on this, I thought several times maybe I should pick a different topic because it's kind of hard to talk about little girls getting murdered, especially in the gory way that they were because I did not add in those details because it's like not something that I'm comfortable like putting out into the air I don't know it just feels wrong 
to discuss details like that. But anyways, after four weeks of this podcast, I think I believe in ghosts. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's real. Like, how do you explain any of this? Like, I'm sorry. Okay, I keep keep saying I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But those six kids are definitely still in that house. It's the scream for me. It's the laughing for me. It's the giggling for me. It's the moving of toys for me. I am never going within 100 miles of that house. (laughs) The fact that people stay there overnight is wild to me. Even after a guy stabbed himself. Like, okay, maybe he was already messed up. Maybe he already was feeling these thoughts of suicide. And then he went to that house and he thought, yep, I'm going to do it here so that people get scared. Or maybe the house made him kill himself. But I'm sorry, where did he get a knife? I would never, I would never stay there. People who's, no. (sighs) The way that I'd be crying, screaming, and throwing up if I ever stepped inside a house in which there was a strange fog moving from room to room, in which there was giggling. Like, I enjoy scaring myself for fun, but not that. That's too real for me. Yeah, but the photos that I was talking about earlier, the chair with the, I, I actually saw these photos online. They're just available online. The chair one in particular with the leg floating off the ground um, was taken by a rag bri rider like two or three years ago, I think. He's just like a normal dude, just taking a quick tour of the house while he was in town for rag bri. So why would he doctor the photo? You know, like he's got better things to do. I'm sure of it. Most average people don't like make things up to post online. And I looked at that photo and one leg was indeed floating off the ground. The way I could tell that it wasn't just an optical illusion was because the shadow of all other three legs was touching the bottom of the leg, which would imply that it was sitting on the ground. But the fourth leg, the shadow was like several inches below it, which would mean that it's floating. I think I know a shadow when I see one. So that was insane. But anyways, the next thing that I wanted to discuss was something that I was sent in lieu of my last podcast episode. This is a little something that you may have heard about. I hadn't heard about it until I got sent this link, but it's called the 21 grams experiment, which apparently some people use to describe or to prove some people use to prove the existence of ghosts. So I'm just going to read you a little something from this website. The April 1907 issue of American Medicine featured a paper by Dr. Duncan McDonnell describing his experiment where the beds of dying patients were placed on a sensitive balance. He was trying to weigh the human soul. The paper was titled Hypothesis Concerning Soul Substance Together with Experimental Evidence of the Existence of Such Substance. So McDonnell placed six dying patients on the specially constructed balance, so scale, and conducted that at the moment of death, there was a loss in weight of about three quarters of an ounce or 21 grams. He had previously determined the weight loss attributed to evaporation of moisture from the skin, but by comparison, this was sudden and much larger. He even controlled for weight loss due to urine and fecal eliminations that concluded that these would not account for the change in weight. Air loss from the lungs was not the answer either, because by lying on the scale himself and breathing, he noticed that there was no effect on weight. After weighing his six patients, McDonnell went to work on dogs. 
He found no weight loss at the moment that they died. He wasn't surprised, of course, because he didn't think dogs had souls. No one has since confirmed his findings. And the fact that he used such a small sample size is widely controversial. But based on this experiment, that does kind of prove that something leaves our body when we die. And 21 grams seems like a pretty legit weight for a spirit. Because a gram, I was told this in seventh grade, a gram is about a skittle worth of weight. So 21 skittles is about how much a ghost weighs. I'd buy that. <laughs> There's some things that are like so spooky that they make me giggle. And like, that's one of them because it's like so exciting. It's so exciting that like, maybe there's ghosts. <laughs> I say that as I'm sitting in my closet, like scared out of my mind. <laughs> if anybody's not convinced yet, just tell me what I need to say because I'm convinced. This episode is turning out to be shorter than I thought it was going to be. So if you can't tell, I'm trying to drag this ending out a little bit because I don't even think my time line is at 15 minutes yet, which is sad. Oh, it's not. <laughs> anyway, um, but that's all the more that I have. So it's time to conclude this episode. I think after a month of October episodes, we finally have our answer, you guys. Ghosts are real. <laughs> Obviously, I haven't said this yet, this series, but we take Evie's word with a grain of salt and we do our own research before forming any conclusions because that's just <laughs> Evie's two cents. We are at the end of the line for the October series, and I'm so sad because this has been so fun. And now I have to go to do, like, real life stuff? Boo. <laughs> Get it? Boo. <laughs> Here's the good news is that I want to do more seasonal content throughout the next few months because fall and winter are just four months of straight vibes and holidays. So stay tuned for that. But thank you all for listening, and I'll see you next time on Midweek Musings. Midweek Musings airs at 6.30 on Wednesday nights on 106.1 FM in the Quad Cities area, but you can also find it on Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was recorded at the studios of KALA-FM St. Ambrose University. Opinions expressed are not necessarily those of KALA Radio or St. Ambrose University.